0: Hello, everyone. I am Jordan Hall, and you're listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. The Flyers are 4-2-0 through their first six games. They had a really positive road trip going 2-1-0. That road trip was highlighted by that surprising win over the Lightning in which the team came back from two goals down. But they definitely came back to earth a little bit as they came home. They had a 3-0 loss to the Sharks. On Sunday at the Wells Fargo Center. So some good and some bad with the Flyers through this 4-2-0 start. We're going to look at it all in three takeaways here. So my first takeaway is I wouldn't overanalyze the third period of benching for Travis Keneckney and Kevin Hayes on Sunday. If you missed it, both players did not see the ice in the third period. Uh, Tortorella sat both of the both of his best players in that final period as the team was down to nothing, trying to come back. And the reason I wouldn't make a ton out of that is because it's not like he was scratching them for an entire game. If John Tortorella was scratching them for the entire game, that to me would be pretty alarming. That would tell me that the coach thinks he has a better chance of winning a game without one of those players in the lineup. To me, he's more making an example of them in that third period. Uh, Whereas if he was sitting them for a full game, that would really have my attention. I, I don't think Konechny and Hayes were really playing all that poorly to deserve to sit in the third period, but I think Tortorella is trying to send an early message here. It's kind of the first bit of adversity I think the Flyers have faced early on. This was a game that I think people probably expected coming into the season from the Flyers, that they were going to make, you know, be shut out at times, that they were going to not look good, that they could lose to a team like the Sharks who has – only two wins. They're 2-6-0. and oh. So I think Tortorella wanted to send a message here early on that if you don't play the game the right way, you can sit. And I don't care who it is. It's going to be two of our best players, it can happen. If it's going to be a fourth liner or a third-pair defenseman, it can happen. And here he's telling his team, if I don't like the way you're playing, if you're not doing the, good, the right things, even after a win the night before, you will sit, and I had no problem doing that. So – in, in my eyes, Tortorello was really trying to make a an example of his two best players, and that was a good time to do it. But I think you have to be careful with benchings. They Benchings can be a funny thing. Sometimes a player responds well to it. Sometimes a player does not. Uh, you can see it go either way. I don't think a coach really ever knows exactly how a player is going to respond to a benching like that. Uh, you, 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 There's been examples of it working, and there's been examples of it not. And the reason I think you need to be careful with them is because benchings can sometimes mess with the player's confidence. Uh, it can get in a player's head. It can make them think twice uh, after it happens. And a recent one to me comes to mind is Travis Konechny. In 2020-21, that shortened 56-game season, he was off to a point-per-game pace. He had eight points in the team's first eight games. And then Elaine Vigneault benched him for the following game. Uh, he didn't like some of the things Connectney did in a win the night prior. He benched him, and then Connectney f- went through a little bit of a dry spell offensively. He didn't score in his next five games, and he didn't really have the year I think many people thought he would after his All Star season. So I don't know what went through Travis Connectney's head when he got benched. I don't know what the message was to Connectney. They felt he could do some some better things and and be a smarter player and help them, but. My point is, he was a point-per-game player when he got benched, and he was coming off an all-star season the year prior. Following it, I don't, you know, he had a dry spell offensively, and I don't know if he reacted particularly well to it, at least from a production standpoint. So I think you really need to be careful with benchings. Um, we'll see how Kevin Hayes and Travis Connectney respond to this. Uh, it was the third period. It was not for a full game. They'll be in the lineup coming up here. I'd be shocked if they aren't. Uh, But we'll see how how things turn here for the Flyers as they have a couple tough games at home coming up. Uh, And the biggest thing is, again, Kevin Hayes and Travis Konechny were off to great starts. And then you sit them for a full third period in front of the home fans. Uh, How will they react to it? Will that help them? Uh, Because they were off to a nice start. Again, Benchings got to be careful with them. But John Tortorella has a track record of doing this uh, and we'll see how his two best players here respond to sitting for a full third period. Flyers talk is brought to you by great railing. Stop into great railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking and fencing needs. My second takeaway is if there's some concerns in my eyes, it's the shots against the flyers are allowing and their face off win percentage. Now those two things aren't everything as we know, but the Flyers have been outshot in four of their six games. Uh, they're allowing 33 shots per game compared to 28 shots for themselves per game. So they're being outshot by five shots per game. And you know, you, you'll see some teams get away with being outshot consistently. They're able to, you know, shore things up defensively, or maybe they're more opportunistic offensively, and, and they can get away with it. You know, perhaps they're getting better. Um, better looks offensively, whereas another team might be getting a higher volume, but the the grade A chances aren't there. So you don't have to make everything about that. But I've seen in the past where you know the Flyers have outshot a team by 20, or they've outshot them by 15, and they might lose by a couple goals, and they'll say, "Hey, we think we're there. You know, we feel like we're controlling the game, we're dictating play, we're just not finishing our chances, and we feel like it's going to turn, and it does turn." To their credit, it does turn, and eventually they start producing wins uh, because they're controlling the game. To me, it's a little concerning that there's times where the Flyers are not controlling the full game, and perhaps they're playing a little bit too much in their own end. We asked John Tortorello, do we make too much of shots for and against? He quickly said yes, but I followed up. You've been outshot in four of the five games. This was before Sunday's loss. Does that concern you at all? He says he goes more by eye test. He goes more by gut. If he feels like, yes, it's it's looking not as well for the Flyers, then he knows it's concerning. But he did admit that he feels like the Flyers are playing too much in their end zone, meaning they're playing too much in their own end, and eventually that results in the puck going in your net. Uh, it's almost like they are hanging on for dear life at times. Right now I think the Flyers have been bailed out a little bit by Carter Hart being 4-0 and and being really good in net. So I think the Flyers can control play a little bit more. And one way to do that too is winning faceoffs. Again, faceoffs, they're not everything. Uh, we've seen the Flyers have some of the better faceoff teams in the league uh, when they had Claude Drew and Sean Couturier, but it's not like it resulted in long playoff runs. At the same time, though, it can go a long way in dictating possession, having the puck more, having it be in the offensive zone rather than the defensive zone. And the Flyers right now are second to last in faceoff win percentage. You're really seeing them feel the absences of guys like Sean Couturier and Claude Drew, who were two of the better face-off guys in the league, guys that can win face-offs in the, in the D zone, in the offensive zone, and at least allow you to have the puck to start uh, after those face-offs. So those are two concerns for me. We'll see how the Flyers uh, – we'll see how things go here for the Flyers as they come up with a couple of tough games to finish October. Uh, at home against the Panthers, at home against the Hurricanes, the, Panther- the Panthers gave the Flyers one of their two losses so far. And as many people know, the Hurricanes are a team that have uh, big playoff aspirations, uh, Stanley Cup aspirations, coming off of the real productive year they had last season. But I think the Flyers can do a better job in terms of more shots, eliminating shots, and playing more in the offensive zone uh, because eventually that does result, if you're playing too much in the defensive zone, it results in the puck going in your net, um, and, and the Flyers can change a couple of trends there or at least help those trends to help them. And my third and final takeaway was how great was it seeing Oscar Lindblom back in Philadelphia? He was playing for the Sharks. It was weird seeing that number 23 in white and teal, but it was great seeing Oscar Lindblom. I think he means so much to this city. As we all know, he overcame cancer here in Philadelphia. He got his treatments at Penn. Uh, He was diagnosed with Ewing's sarcoma in December 2019. He finished his treatments in July 2020. Had that incredible return to the playoffs in the bubble, uh, and was just a real, real hero here in Philadelphia. Uh, to me, Philadelphia loves a fighter, and Oscar Lindbaum really epitomized fighting uh, and, and being that Philadelphia tough, uh, fighting through his cancer, doing it with a smile on his face, doing it with so much positivity. And I just always will remember how how hard he fought through his cancer fight. He is now cancer free. And how much Philly rallied around him? I'll never forget the standing ovation when he was at the game in the press box the first time we had seen him uh, after he had gotten his diagnosis, and how the stadium and the in the place just the arena, excuse me, just stood up for him and gave him that lengthy ovation. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget how the team reacted when he would show up to, when he was able to show up and surprise them and see them, whether it be at practice or after a game. Um, just a time I'll never forget, and I was really glad when he came back. The Flyers gave him a really beautiful video tribute, and the fans were able to give him a standing ovation. I thought he deserved that. Um, he is no longer a Flyer, but in my mind, he will be a Flyer forever in so many people's eyes here in the city, uh, given that what, what he went through here. Uh, he still sees his doctors at Penn. They still take care of him. He says he doesn't want to change that. Uh, of course, he has probably new doctors as well in the San Jose in the Bay Area where he's playing now for the Sharks. But uh, he says the Penn doctors meant so much to him that he still wants to see them and, and, and go for his checkups there uh, as well. So I think it's just so cool. He's he's a Philly guy now, too. You know, he comes from Sweden, but Philly is like a second home to him. So very cool to see Oscar Limlom after the game. We saw him in the hallways, the, in the bowels of the arena. He was signing some jerseys for some fans and a lot of Flyers. I, it was more more than I've seen usual, especially after a loss. So many Flyers were in the hallway waiting to see Oscar because both teams had a game the night prior. Uh, the The Sharks played the Devils and the Flyers played the Predators in Nashville. So they didn't really have an opportunity to see Oscar the night before or grab dinner. So their best chance to do it was after the game. And there were so many Flyers in the hallway wanting to see Oscar Limbaugh. So it was just a cool scene to have him back, see him smiling. And uh, I think everyone really hopes he does well in San Jose. Uh, if, if he's not in a Flyers jersey, people are going to be pulling for him wherever he goes. So a really nice special night for Oscar Limbaugh to come back and kind of get that hero's welcome. He deserved it. But we'll have plenty more to cover here. Two big games to finish up October for the Flyers. Uh, it, it Really telling games here. If you pick up one of these two games, you're going to have a winning month. But if they lose these two, they could be 4-4 four and four or 4-3-1 four, and one going into November. So I think the Flyers would really like to punctuate October, uh, a surprising month in some people's minds, but they have a chance to prove themselves some more. Tony D'Angelo told us before Sunday's game that the 4-1-0 start really didn't mean much to him. He says a lot of people look at five-game chunks in hockey. He says he's not one of those guys. He thinks they have more to prove, a lot more room for growth, and I think that's the right mindset. You've surprised some people. But there's certainly more to prove uh, compared to a five game stretch. You need to you need to put it more in uh, more five game stretches and and piece together really months if you're gonna really surprise people and win people over in terms of the fans. So a lot more to cover, and we'll have it all here on the Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. A big thank you to Ben Berry, my podcast producer and guru for always being flexible with my time and Flyers fans. Of course, as always. Thank you for listening to the latest. Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen, and we can't wait. Talk to you next time.